Let us pray. Father, we are so glad and thankful that you are with us, that you love us and that you are our good and great God. So Lord, speak to us even today. Apply the truth of your word to our hearts and our lives for the glory of your name. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you here this morning. So glad that you've joined us. This has been an incredibly exciting and busy week here at All Saints Church as we've had our vacation Bible school and um, met so many new friends. And I know some of you have joined us today and we're so glad to have you here. And we'll be saying a little bit more about vacation Bible school and showing a VBS video a little bit later on in the service this morning. During our sermon time today, we're continuing in the book of Ephesians. We're doing a systematic study through the book. We started just a few weeks ago, and we're still in chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you or devices with Scripture on them, I'd invite you to turn to the first chapter of Ephesians today, focusing on verses 15 through 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. As we look at verses 15 through 19, these verses demonstrate how Paul prays for these these Ephesian believers in some very specific ways. How many of you know it's important and of great value to pray in a way that is very specific, to pray for things in specific ways? In our own personal prayer lives and even on Sunday mornings in what we call the prayers of the people, the prayers that we pray every Sunday here at All Saints Church, we include very specifically the name of the President of the United States, the name of our governor. We pray by name for our archbishop and our bishop, and we give opportunity for everyone to lift up their own needs and intercessions by name to the Lord during that time. Specific prayer is very important. And there are times in the Christian life where there are specific things that we know we should pray about regularly or people we should pray for regularly. And there are other times when God himself, by his Holy Spirit, will prompt us to pray in specific ways, sometimes for things that we understand and sometimes for things we may not understand in the moment. Uh, one true story that um, I came, became aware of a number of years ago in this regard involved a missionary by the name of Victor Plymeyer. Now, Victor Plymeyer was a missionary in Tibet in the early decades of the 20th century, first with the Christian Missionary Alliance and then later with the Assemblies of God. And George Wood, who was his nephew, who was a number of years ago general superintendent of the Assemblies of God denomination, told this story about his uncle. Now, to understand, Victor Plymeyer buried his first wife and son in Tibet and was there for eight or ten years before he baptized his first convert. It was a very difficult mission field. But Victor Plymeyer was home on furlough and was preaching in a church. And after the service, a lady came up to him and said, I don't understand this, but you know, some time ago, I was awakened in the middle of the night and prompted to pray specifically for your feet. And that seemed strange and odd at the time. And as she and Victor Plymer talked and reconstructed the time frame, he realized that in that precise hour when God had awakened her halfway around the world in the middle of the night, he had been crossing a stream in Tibet on his horse in the winter 
by himself and his horse had slipped and fallen and he had gone into the stream and his feet had gotten soaking wet in the frigid Tibetan winter and he developed frostbite and was at risk of losing his feet. And halfway around the world, without knowing why, God had awakened this lady in the middle of the night to pray for Victor Plymeyer's feet. Amen, yes. Thanks be to God. That God is that concerned about our needs and that God, by his spirit, will prompt us at times to pray even for things that may not make sense in the immediate. In verse 15 today, St. Paul begins with a thanksgiving for the Ephesian believers. If you remember back, those of you who were here to last Sunday, this thanksgiving was typically how Paul opened his letters to the churches that were under his apostolic leadership. However, in Ephesians, he postpones that until verse 15 and begins the letter with a traditional Hebrew blessing that is directed toward God himself. Then only after this does he continue with the thanksgiving as was his custom. Beginning in verse 16, prayer, he lifts requests to God in a way that lifts the knees to God, but also in writing to these believers, writing this prayer out, affirms to these believers their identity as new creations in Jesus Christ, and also in a way that challenges and encourages them to walk out this identity as a lived reality by the work of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives in them. Our main focus this morning are the key elements of this prayer found in verses 16 through 19. So let's dive in. As we begin looking at these verses, it is important to note, again, the continuity between verses 1 through 14 that we've looked at in the past two weeks and our focus today, especially St. Paul's emphasis on the Trinitarian nature of this great salvation that is ours through God. As we saw last week, we are adopted by God the Father, we are redeemed by God the Son, Jesus Christ, and we are sealed by God the Holy Spirit. And this same Trinitarian focus of our God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit permeates Paul's prayer in these verses as well. Look at verse 17 with me and we see this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. In this prayer also, the words echo Paul's letter to the Colossians, where he opens with a very similar type of a prayer, where he writes in Colossians 1.9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul prays for vi- in very specific ways for the churches under his current leadership. And Paul begins his prayer here for the Ephesians with a very specific twofold focus. And that twofold focus is this, that God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the father of glory, may give you, may give them first the spirit of wisdom and secondly, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him referring to God. So let's look at these two prayers for a moment and the points that at these two points, and let's make some application for our lives. The kind of wisdom and understanding that is prayed for here is only available to those who know Christ, who are in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. 
because it is only possible by the work of God, the Holy Spirit himself, who dwells in every believer to have this kind of knowledge and understanding. By God, the Holy Spirit, who in verse 13 we read, is the believer's seal. And who provides, God, the Holy Spirit, who provides wisdom and understanding that is of God. The Holy Spirit provides this to us by divine illumination through God's word, the scriptures, as he opens them to us in all of their fullness, and by his voice in our lives as well, which will always align with Holy Scripture. What Paul speaks of here, hear me, what Paul speaks of here is much more than head knowledge, much more than the acquisition of facts and information. It is much more than simply temporal, worldly wisdom and knowledge. It is more than knowledge that is available of God through the things we observe in the world around us, even though all creation, as scripture tells us, declares the glory of God. But even non-believers in Paul's day, even pagan Romans could deduce these basic, readily observable kinds of knowledge that we see from creation all around us. Scripture affirms that in Romans 1, Paul writes, For what can be known about God is plain to them, speaking of these pagans, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they, these pagans, are without excuse. What Paul's talking about here is general, what we would call in theology, general revelation, those things that are available for all the world to see that point to God and declare his glory. But the kind of wisdom and knowledge that we read about here in Ephesians chapter 1 is something far beyond that because it is a relation, or excuse me, it is a knowledge and a wisdom that grows out of relationship. It is relational. Bible scholar F.F. Bruce refers to this wisdom and knowledge this way. It is that personal knowledge of him in experience, which involves a two-way relation entered into by those who have come to know God. God-given wisdom and revelation is not some sort of secret or hidden knowledge given to a select few It is available to all of God's people. It is available to everyone who knows, loves, and is seeking to grow in a living relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Do you understand that God's will is for you to know him? Think about that. God's will is for you to know him whom to know is life. To know him and in knowing him to understand his will. And God's will, as you know him, is that you and I are continuing to grow in a fuller and greater measure and understanding of him day by day, every day. As we move through the series of Ephesians, we will talk about this in greater detail further on. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 remind us, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You can know God. God's will is for us all to grow up in him who is the head into Christ. You can know God and you can know that you know God. And no matter how far we go in our walk with God through Jesus Christ, every single one of us can can continue growing more deeply to know God and to walk in deeper, more intimate fellowship with him. And we can do this knowing that God knows each of us. God knows each of us in greater detail than others know us. God knows you and me better than we know ourselves. Think about that. That's wonderful and frightening all at the same time, isn't it? That nothing is hidden from God. That those innermost thoughts of our hearts, those dark places in our lives, God knows all of those things. And he loves us. He invites us into personal relationship with him. He wants us to be who we are before him, to bear ourselves to him so that he can work his gracious transforming work in us. It's very easy to try to be somebody that we aren't. We all fall into that trap from time to time. And we live in a world, I think especially with social media, and I don't do much with social media, I kind of don't enjoy technology and I'm not saying it's all bad. It's not, but there's some really bad things and, and some social media and technology certainly facilitate being someone we aren't. Does everyone know what I'm thinking about? Someone can have an online relationship with someone and the whole persona they project and depict can be something completely other than what is real or genuine. And social media can fuel this. Matter of fact, there was a country song. It's been about 13 or 14 years ago. And there's one thing in this that will date it back that far that talked about this. And some of you may remember it was called, I'm so much cooler online. And I'll just share some of the lyrics with you. I work down at the pizza pit and I drive an old Hyundai. I still live with my mom and dad. I'm five feet three and overweight. I'm a sci-fi fanatic, mild asthmatic, never been to second base, but there's a whole nother me that you need to see. Check out MySpace. Now that's what dates it. Because online I'm out in Hollywood, I'm 6'5 and I look real good. I drive a Maserati, I'm a black belt in karate, and I love a good glass of wine. I'm so much cooler online, so much cooler online. I get home, I kiss my mom, and she fixes me a snack. As I head down to my basement bedroom and fire up my Mac. In real life, the only time I've ever been to L.A. was when I got the chance with the marching band to play tuba in the Rose Parade. Online, I live in Malibu. I posed for Calvin Klein. I've been in GQ. I'm single and I'm rich. And I got a six-pack abs that will blow your mind. I'm so much cooler online. And it's funny but there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there, with some folks? And God calls us to be real and transparent with one another, and most of all, to be an open and honest with him. 
Because what we, we know with God is that he knows all about us anyway, that we are known by God. And he invites us and calls us to know him. And this spirit of wisdom that Paul prays for the Ephesian believers and that God wills for us comes from knowing and walking in intimate, transparent fellowship with our God. Part two of Paul's prayer is this, that they would have the knowledge with a purpose. Verse 18, that they have the eyes of their hearts enlightened. And this eye-opening or enlightenment is for a very specific purpose. Look at verses 18 through 19 with me. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Ponder that for a moment. The essence of this prayer is that the Ephesians may appreciate and grasp the value which God places on them. The value which God places on you and me. We've just finished a wonderful week of VBS. Our VBS theme is treasured. Our kids learned that they are treasured by God. We need to learn that you and I, brothers and sisters, friends, we are treasured by God. We need to grasp, like the Ephesians needed to grasp, how much we are loved and treasured by God. Despite our shortcomings, despite our faults, despite our fallenness, God loves us. As a matter of fact, we are the apple of his eye. I love the prayer that's often prayed in Compline, which is an evening prayer service in the Anglican prayer book. Or Psalm 17:8, the words of King David are prayed, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. That's how much God loves us. And God indeed will hide us in the shadow of his wings as we trust him. God's will for us is for our eyes to be opened or ever more fully opened so that we can grasp just how great his love for us is. And that we might know three things. One, the hope to which he has called us. That is the inheritance that can be ours through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, God speaking to him, writes these words. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. And then listen to this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. As we seek God. As we seek God through Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, the hope God talks about here is not wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. It is a hope anchored in Jesus Christ and a sure 
as the promises of God for us. God calls you and me to this hope in Christ this very day. Second, Paul prays that they and we might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And that's not talking about temporal earthly riches or that God's going to have us all living in mansions and driving expensive cars. But it's the glorious inheritance that is ours through what Christ has done for us. And those riches that are eternal through God's heavenly kingdom that God makes available to us as his people even here and now. And then third, that we would know the immeasurable greatness of God's power, his power to us who believe according not to our strength, but according to the working of his great might. You see, we don't do this. We don't earn this ourselves. It is by God's great might. It is by God's grace. Again, to quote F.F. Bruce, if the death of Christ is the supreme demonstration of the love of God, as Paul, Paul wholeheartedly believed, The resurrection of Christ is the supreme demonstration of his power. Through the cross of Christ, God has shown his love for us. And through the resurrection of Christ, God shows us his power. that He makes available for us to live and walk in this resurrection power of the life of Jesus Christ himself. And again, everything we read here is from God. It's by his grace, it's his gift, it's his unmerited favor as we look to God through Christ. And he is the one as we trust him. He is the one as we surrender and yield our lives to him who does this in you and me. And the one who is at work in us offers his life-giving, transformative resurrection power to us. And he is the one through that same power who makes us his own, who makes us new creations day by day in Jesus Christ so that we can know him, so that we can walk in intimate fellowship with him, that we can know him whom to know is eternal life. And so that we can truly find that it is in him, as scripture says, that we live and move and have our being. We, brothers and sisters, friends, we are treasured by God. And God will give us his wisdom. He will give us his divine revelation knowledge and show us the path to walk in by his grace and power. And that begins as he invites us into living an ever-increasing relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That is God's offer to every single one of us today, no matter where we are in our walk with Christ. If we haven't come to Christ yet, God invites us into that. And if we've walked with Christ for many years, he invites us into even deeper relationship with him. So I'd ask you to bow your heads with me and let's pray and ask God to do this in our lives. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your incredible love for us that we are treasured by you, that you hold us as the apple of your eye. And you love us so much, even as we will commemorate and celebrate in just a few moments, you sent Jesus, the sinless son of God, to give his life that we could be cleansed, that we could be set free, that we could be restored to right, full, and living relationship with you. 
And Lord, by your grace, you give us the knowledge and the wisdom and your discernment to walk in that life, to walk in an intimate fellowship with you. And Father, I'm so grateful with all of our warts and our fallenness and our shortcomings, you still love us and you take those things and you, as only you can, as our good and great God, make all things new. So Lord, may we open ourselves afresh even now in this moment, perhaps for the first time or daily afresh. May we open ourselves to your good and gracious work in us. And we pray this with grateful hearts through Christ our Lord. Amen.